Hi, this is Day for Night with Caridad Switch, a series that looks at the intersection between theater and poetry, in the edgelands, in the wilderness. In today's episode, I'm going to read from a piece called Clara Thomas Bailey. I've read from it before on this podcast, uh, but it has been a while, maybe two months ago. Uh, So I'm dipping back in to this text uh, because it's calling to me. And as I've said before, sometimes texts call to you and they kind of come upon you in your consciousness and you want to kind of interact with them again. It's a new piece, so uh, there may be a reason why I'm continually interacting with it. Uh, so this is a section, oh, about maybe not even midway through, maybe a little bit before the midpoint of the piece. Uh, I'm not going to say more than that. I think it's fairly self-explanatory. park is flooded with light. Sunshine batters your eyes. The shift from fluorescence to sunlight is startling. You look for shade. A small bench on the other side of the park. You remember sitting there once and it being soothing. You remember sitting there once and the homeless man casually jacking off next to you, oblivious to you entirely. Not this bench. The memories of it are making you anxious. And this is about not being anxious. This is about finding a peace, a bit of peace, while. Days can be like this. This day especially. In an hour you will know if your body is fighting you or will cooperate with you. You try to smile. Your cousin used to smile before they went into hospital. They smiled a lot. They did to make other people happy. You feel foolish. You practice anyway. Ah, yes. Smile, teeth. You wonder if your teeth are clean. You wonder and you worry you may be smiling too widely. You're out of practice with your smile because it's been a while, a long while since, since anyone, really. There's been a lot of rage. It's followed you for months. It's pursued you down streets. Sometimes the rage just sits in the pit of your stomach. You wonder if anyone else sees it. You try not to think. Soothing, study music, ambient sounds, waterfalls, and lutes. You had a mechanical waterfall machine by your bed once. In the days before the sleep app, in the days before you relied on things to... This bench is okay. You repeat the word. Okay. 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 Ah... A bird lands before you. They are hungry. It is not a gull. It is a small bird with a red dart down their back. Like a mohawk, a punk bird from a punk rock band. You laugh. You think, 
You're the bird. You were just like this bird once. The bird is spotting the crumbs left behind by someone else. They are shivering, even though it's not cold. It's a surprisingly pleasant day, despite... You take a protein bar from your pocket and break off a chunk of it and toss it to the bird. The bird flies to it. Short flight, efficient, clean. Nature is amazing. When you lived in the country, you visited your grandparent. They were still alive then. You would ask, is nature always like this? Well, your grandparent was always slow to respond. They fed the birds too. They did bird watching. They love to listen to the birds listening. I think nature wants nothing to do with us, seeing as if we've let it down, so? Your grandparents said. You were crushed at the clarity of her grandparents' words. Just speaking truth, you want me to lie? No, but I don't believe in lying. Whole countries built on lies. Yes, but we've let the planet down. Might as well erase ourselves from the earth and let it start over without us. I don't think. What do you know about anything? You're just a child. I'm not. One day, this country is going to reckon with all the damage that's been done. I won't live to see it, but maybe you will, if you're lucky. Hard times ahead, though. It's going to be ugly before it gets pretty. Your grandparents said things like that. Maybe if we... But they were onto something else. A bird had nestled on a nearby tree. Small bird, just like the one here in the park on the ground, pecking at your protein bar. Oh, this one's come from afar. And your grandparent listened. What's it saying? I don't talk bird. If you understand, I intuit their vibration. Yeah. So, if it's saying good things, things are much worse where they come from. That much, I can intuit. Hearing this makes you uncomfortable. One day, we will hear everything the birds have to say. The whole world will stop to hear their song. You imagine this whole world stopping too. The chunk of the protein bar is gone. The bird has flown to another side of the park. A breeze settles in, warm, almost tropical. You stretch. Like a baby stretch. Because we're outside. People are watching. This is a public, right? You rise from the bench. You are feeling confident in the warmth of the breeze. Perhaps a walk wouldn't be so bad just about now. You used to come to this park with your irrational places, but you don't mind. They are becoming a curious memory. Maybe you are even feeling a little sorry for them. And I'll stop there for now. So that's from Clara Thomas Bailey. The sequence in the park with this character. Uh, and to close out the episode today, I'm actually going to read from the writer Dan O'Brien. He's a wonderful writer. Uh, he has a new collection out called um, The Angel in the Trees and Other Monologues. It's published by Salamander Street. If you don't know Salamander Street, a terrific publisher of plays, 
Um, so I'm actually going to just read from the first from the first monologue in this book, the the one that bears the title of the book, "The Angel on the in the Trees," um, and just from the beginning uh, of this uh, character called I guess it's uh, Madeline. Maybe he says Madeline. I'll have to ask Dan how he how he calls her. Um, but this is the the monologue from the monologue of the angel in the trees. I walked everywhere. I had to. I had no car. I never did. Never trusted them. Never felt the need to. Being a lifelong New Yorker or thereabouts. And even here, down south, as they say, I worked not far from home through a walk in the woods to a small college campus where I wrote mostly fluff pieces, really, for the college alumni publication. They called it a magazine. I was new to this town, if you called it a town, a postage stamp-sized campus stuck with a cluster of homes and then the more far-flung houses where I lived in the woods alone. I liked it this way, even those walks at night that could sometimes get quite lonesome. I was often set upon by dogs, though strangely they never bite, but bark vociferously, as if I were the one frightening them. A gray fox might slither like a shroud across the road through the high beam of my flashlight. The deer will wait perfectly still in the dark, as you step unaware beside them, and then they snort obstreperously and thunder off terrified into the woods. It was wonderful. Sometimes from afar, across the occasional field, the retreating deer with their white tails bobbing looked more to me like ghost riders approaching in the moonlight. It certainly could get strange. As it did that night, about 9.30, I believe, my usual time to walk home, I prefer to walk late mornings into evening. The oval disk of my flashlight skimming across the surface of the dirt road. When I heard the sound of something falling, a crackling through branches, and then a thud like I thought a body might sound hitting the ground. Though I've never heard such a thing, have you? It threw my being to where the sound came from. Nothing there but trees. The branches grew loud as if tossed with wind, sowing, I believe is the word. Though I, I, I couldn't feel a thing on my face or neck or hands. It seemed, it swelled to a roar, and the night in front of my face grew black. My flashlight made no dint. Then everything went quiet again just as quickly as it had first grown loud. I turned round a bend of the road, climbing uphill. My flashlight swerved in the dark and lit upon, standing in the trees with his eyes upon me. An angel. I did not know what it was. Never having seen one. I mean, have you? He looked like a man. His body had its own light, pale as if passed through water. His hair was black and his skin white. He looked like a victim of drowning. I assumed it was a he because of the nature of his face, his features, but there was something 
sexless, sexless about him. Not quite androgynous, but I could not see his clothes. The light obliterated all detail. He could have been naked for all I knew. And this light stretched not only out from him, but up like bright strings stretched into the canopy of trees above. He looked at me like he'd known I was coming, as if he'd been waiting for me all my life. He neither smiled at me nor glared. He held out his hand as if he had something to give me. A dog barked close by in the trees, and when I looked again, he'd gone. And that's from Dan O'Brien, The Angel in the Trees, and other monologues. Forget the little flubs there as I was reading. It's a, it's a one-take experience here, a day for night. Uh, great. So, thanks for listening. As always, it's, this is about you and I in this theater. You there in the dark. And I here wondering who you are. Until the next time, thanks for listening to Day for Night.